Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this episode, I'm once again joined by Kay Kellum. We're going to do another TV discussion. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very good. How are you? Doing all right. Now, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the sixth season of The Mentalist. We have not done episodes on the first five seasons, nor do I think we have any intention of doing that at this point. No, I think what we'll cover from the first five seasons is the Red John arc, if you will. Yes. To me, this is a case study in serialized narratives and kind of the big bad or the, the, the overarching premise. We've talked about a number of times how in some shows, they have that distinguishing some episodes are just yeah they've they've got to do the the episode of the week others are part of this is the overall arc the story that really matters in the big picture with the mentalist which is uh, a procedural uh, tv show it's been on obviously six seasons around a a mentalist patrick jane who basically can do cold reads kind of predict what people are thinking, do hypnosis, essentially uh, mind games and such like that. He started out working in carnivals as a psychic and uh, moved his game up, if you will, into a uh, a more, I don't want to say legit, but a more mainstream, more uh, high-paid venue. Exactly. Carnival uh, psychic, fake psychic, to... Uh, uh, life coach sort of a thing yeah helping people commune with the dead all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. he in the backstory before the series starts winds up basically uh ticking off a serial killer Mm. oh this guy is not that big of a deal he's not you know whatever and the serial killer responds by killing his wife and daughter he then responds by basically giving up his whole thing and devoting his life to tracking down this killer Yeah, he outed himself as a fake psychic Mm -hmm. and went to work for the California Bureau of Investigation. Uh, A state version of the FBI that doesn't exist. Yeah. But it allowed them to do kind of police procedurals with him as a consultant who can do just wild shenanigans. And that was my favorite part of the show from the pilot on. Well, the pilot set it up beautifully because he is brought in, or they're, they're, they're wrapping up a case. He's making tea in the, the kitchen of the, the house where this thing is happening, talking to the wife, basically explaining, yeah, I think it was like the husband had committed adultery, he'd done all these terrible things or whatever, and accidentally goads the wife into shooting the husband. And it's like, ooh, that didn't go well, but this is the kind of guy who, with those sorts of things, can happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, he's a loose cannon in many respects, and it's fun to watch because of that. Mm-hmm. He's also highly intelligent, very observant, just kind of knows what's going on, very manipulative also. Yeah. So they do that for five seasons, and the arc periodically is what's going on with, with Red John, the serial killer. Well, and I'll admit that from the pilot, I kind of thought, I don't know, Red John had been captured or Red John was a past tense. He was, they were still hunting for him. Yeah, and I guess that was the part that when I first saw the pilot, I didn't fully grasp. I My recollection is Cho or Rigsby 
had brought him back in, even though he was still kind of on suspension or whatever, uh, because this thing might tie into Red John. Yeah, and see, I had just thought that Red John was a, a catalyst for a change of life. I hadn't considered Red John to be a ongoing, we're just going to keep seeing him. But that's kind of the first question or dilemma, I think, with this sort of a thing. When does when is something or when should something be part of just the premise, the springboard, the launch pad mm -hmm. versus being part of the ongoing concerns? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we picked up the uh, sixth season on DVD of The Mentalist because I watched it as it aired. Well, and I've got most of the other seasons. I got to make sure that I've got the fifth. I know I've got the first four at least. Yeah. Um, but you had missed a few episodes yeah. of the sixth season, and I apparently had failed to record them and get them to you, so we picked it up. And one of the special features is Patrick Jane, redeemed, recovered, restored, and they reveal the mythology of Red John. And it was interesting because they go into why they ended it when they did, and it was in the middle of the sixth season, mm -hmm. about in the halfway point. And then they kind of jump forward two years and then pick up and move forward. And we can go into whether they, th whether Rajan should have been an ongoing aspect of the show or not. I think your point that it was a catalyst for him and could have just remained that makes sense. But one of the things they bring up in that featurette is if all they were doing was the crime of the week, there are a ton of other shows that do that. Yeah. What makes this show stand out? Yeah. And they chose to go with The Hunt for Red John, whereas I think part of what makes the show stand out is Patrick Jane. Definitely. The loose cannon, the he does wild things. The the shenanigans of Patrick Jane and just the what will he get up to, what will he get them into, is for me what makes the, jo the show stand out and what makes me tune in each week. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the sixth season, there's one episode where at the very end, they've got the guy in the proverbial interrogation room and Patrick Jane is sitting opposite him as the guy is doing kind of the rundown of what's happened. And Patrick Jane pops out with, but what song was the marching band playing? That and I thought was a great scene for a couple of reasons, one of which was the actor he was playing against very talented guy, Charles Measure, who we've seen in some other stuff. And we need to do an episode, I think, at some point on uh, This Is Not My Life. That was a great show out of New Zealand. That, this was one that we oh. just lucked into. And this is what this actor was from. Yeah. And it's, it's brilliant. But basically, at that point, Patrick Jane, you know, when he's asking that question, it's a guy like, how did you know about the, the, the marching band? Because earlier in the episode, he's like, I'm going to need all these things. And somebody's like, a marching band? Like, yeah, trust me. He had set it up to where the guy is basically on the run and kind of channeled down a certain path or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, you know, okay, at this point they've lost me. I can go where the loot is. Yeah. I can go, you know, where the evidence they need to find is. And they're just getting led straight to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when he asks what song was the marching band playing is when the guy finally starts realizing he got set up to lead them to the evidence. To me, it, that's the classic mistake of more the new Mission Impossible than the original, but it's kind of thumbing your nose at the villain that you've just completely 
But it's very Patrick Jane. It is. It is. It's also incredibly foolish. Now the guy has somebody to seek revenge on versus wondering what the hell happened. Very true. But it's also the point at which the audience gets told because in the case of mentalists, they don't always tell us until the end. Oh, by the way, this is what Patrick's really been up to. Well, again, there are some shows, like you said, that do the... Uh, uh, flashback reveal at the very end. It's like, okay, here we've 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 seen the crime, we've solved the crime, but let us put the pieces together in case you you, you want to see if you got the answer right or if you're confused. And it's some shows do that better than others. Mm-hmm. With this one, they did pretty well, but I like it better when they they don't need to quite telegraph as much or reveal as much. It's yeah, a little clearer as you go. Yeah. Um, first half of the season, they build up the whole, there are only so many people that could be Red John, we're going to narrow it down, we're going to find this. And they were so heavy on arc episodes. Mm. And to your point of, you know, do we care about this or not, should this have been a part of the show, they'd been doing so much of this over the couple of seasons that frankly, I, I was tired of it. It was played out, it was it was becoming almost all the show was about other than a background element. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. By the time they said we've got narrowed down to seven people, I was practically rejoicing with the, does that mean only seven more episodes of this plot line and I'm rid of it? But for something that was embaked into the DNA of the show, moving on beyond that is interesting. And that's a lot of what they talked about in the featurette. They wanted to see what would happen with the character, where he would go and it allowed them to almost reinvent the show while staying true to what it was. Well, and that featurette intrigued me because they referred to Red John as uh, Patrick Jane's great white whale, which mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought of him as. To me, it hadn't been that kind of relationship back when I first started watching the show. It had been a trigger to a nervous breakdown and two years in a psych hospital of I need to reevaluate my life and being a total idiot got my wife and daughter killed. And I now need to stop being a con man and a fake psychic and change I, everything. I think where it changed from the great white whale to an ongoing active concern of the series was when it went from are there any clues to Red John actively interacting with yes. Patrick Jane. Yeah. If it had just been the trail's gone cold, oh, we think we've got some new leads, uh, nothing more. Yeah. If it had just been a background investigation, but it became an, the A plot line a number of times. Yeah. So when they, they were getting to winding it down, I think it was almost too little too late in some regards. Yeah. It, the show had almost jumped its own shark uh, in a weird sense with its filling. And well, and I guess that was the thing to to me, Red John was never an interesting or compelling villain. I enjoyed the procedurals. I enjoyed the weekly episodes so much that I was okay forgetting about Red John for weeks at a time. If you think about it, the Red John thing was a little bit of a flawed premise. It was a guy who was basically a mass murderer, fine, but he was petty. Mm. He got insulted by a random guy on TV. Yeah. And sought vengeance. And then kept seeking vengeance. And it's like, really? Yeah. Um, and then they, 
they did a number of other odd things in there where they built up this whole society of corrupt cops and all mm. of this. It went from just being a killer to this whole conspiracy to, you know, oh my God, what's going on? They took it to crazy proportions. I think mm-hmm. there were a lot of great ideas that just went awry in this writing room for, for a number of reasons. And it's surprising because Bruno Heller, uh, the writer, uh, lead writer and creator of the show, I think is a very talented guy. As witnessed the fact the show's been on six seasons, getting a, a seventh season, and is a, a very inventive character of Patrick Jane. The, the, the surrounding cops are, are fun and good. Um, it's well-constructed, but, uh, again, a couple of misfires. Yeah. Particularly around the whole Red Jot stuff. You know, and then when they went to the the mid-season, okay, that gets resolved, definitively so. Yay! And there was much rejoicing in my TV room. It's like, okay, that's done. Now what? Boom, two years later. And now we have put a moratorium on putting the word red, or any variation of the color red, in the episode titles. Yeah, after doing that for hundred and some odd episodes, I'm sure that got tough. Um, What got me was how they... Spent a couple episodes with Patrick Jane, kind of, okay, where is he? We found him, that stuff, before getting him into his new status quo. How they had introduced a couple of FBI characters early on in the season mm-hmm. as they're wrapping up the Red John stuff to bridge that gap. I thought that was great uh, advanced planning on this stuff. They knew where they were going. Yeah, and I like some of these new FBI characters. Um, The lead guy of... Rockman Dunbar. Rockman Dunbar. His character is Dennis. Uh, I forget his character's last name. He's the lead FBI guy that he deals with, and he's smart guy. Is trying to manipulate Jane. Of course, that doesn't go well. It's hard guy to manipulate. But there's a good dynamic there, and they bring in that character, another FBI agent who would help track Jane down. They're the senior members of this FBI team. Jane is now a new consultant. Cho has been on the FBI for uh, about five months, so kind of mid-level there. And then they bring Lisbon back in, who had been leading the CBI unit. So they almost invert the power structure. Meanwhile, they've taken out Wayne Rigsby and um, Van Pelt, uh, Grace Van Pelt, who had been the more junior members of the team. Um, and now we've got different people who don't know what Patrick Jane is going to do in some of these crazy situations. Mm-hmm. Can they predict it? Can they control him? Can they do this or not? Well, at one point, uh, because they're now the FBI, so they're now open to the whole country. Uh, Patrick is in New York, I believe. And they, they're they allegedly watching his every move. They're not going to let him out of their sight because they don't trust him, despite this deal. Nor should they. they have. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he slips the leash, as Jane is wont to do, and he goes off and he does what he wants to do, and he decides he's ready to come in, and he does it in what I would consider to be typical Jane fashion. He gets a can of spray paint and paints a really huge arrow, as I recall, on the pavement, and I think he even paints it's, Jane. It's, the, it's his name, Jane with an arrow pointing to where he's sitting as he's getting, you know, a, a hot, dog, hot or dog or something. And he just sits there and waits for their tech guy to spot it on the satellite and send a car to pick him up. It's like, they're going to be looking for me. I'll make it easy. I'm going to be here. I'm not hiding. And that's that's, <laughs> that's the beauty true. of the show is, is that character is so unique in that respect. He, I cannot think of any other character on television 
that does that kind of antics with that kind of charm. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, again, I think why the show has stuck around, but also why they needed to, and they mentioned this in the featurette, change up the dynamic with the new uh, Mm -hmm. team members, is it had gotten to where all the people he worked with for five years pretty much knew what he was going to do. Well, and you pretty much knew who was going to work with him, who was going to cover for him, how people were going to react to it. Who he could push how far in different ways. Now he's under a totally different power structure, shorter leash in some respects, not so short in other respects. Lisbon's no longer his boss. She is now freed to enjoy the insanity versus having to clean up the mess. Yeah, yeah. And again, it changes the dynamic by keeping the same story elements in play. Mm-hmm. you got to have somebody leading the team. They've got to clean up after Jane. But now it's somebody different. Yeah. You know, you've got somebody who's just totally, you know, what's going on with him? I, I, I'm lost. I'm confused. How did he do that? Why is he doing what's going on? That aspect is now a different character than, than it was. Well, and I think Lisbon has a few scenes where she's kind of commenting to people on a, it does look different from this perspective. It does feel different from being yeah. in this angle. It's a lot less stressful, I imagine, from having to clean up to just sitting back and enjoying the chaos. Yeah. The other thing they do, though, when they move all this is the CBI group was under investigation, so they bring in FBI agents. For some crazy reason, they picked Austin, Texas as to where these people were based. I know. We're sitting here in Austin, Texas, where we live. Ugh. Now, after the two episodes where they go, they find Jane, where he's been hiding on an island for two years, whatever, and they bring him back. The show is now based out of Austin, Texas. They do get the skyline. They get the skyline, and based on the shot we see out the glass windows and stuff of the FBI, I'm thinking that their location is essentially on um, the, uh, the, I guess, the the, uh, south side of of the river, Mm. looking in towards downtown. Okay. Um, It's... Uh, actually, I think I've been to a location that, that I would love to go back to and take the photo of and see if it matches. Yeah, really? Um, yeah. It's, it's actually the corporate headquarters of a, a restaurant we go to. Um, yeah. I was there for a focus group meeting, and I'm like, that, that seems like a similar shot. Anyways, um, so it's in a familiar venue location, and periodically they'll do, oh, this is down on 6th Street, and, like parking right in front of a bar. It's like, you know, for uh, for the Austin uh, uh, Wizard World, we had to go downtown we circled the block, what, four times before we found a parking lot we could easily get into? And this was on the edge of 6th Street. It's like, yeah, no. The, yeah. the part that really got me and, frankly, has radically uh, had me rethinking my opinion of the show. I was going to say radically lowered it, but that's not entirely true. But it certainly makes me a lot less... Uh, uh, Their magical travel agent? Yeah, they're magical traveling. It makes me much more uh, reluctant to believe anything they say. <laughs> they have one episode where Rigsby and Van Pelt, who are living elsewhere now, have been brought into Austin. They're helping out. Van Pelt, uh, she gets taken. Okay, she's, she's captured by somebody they're going after. She is taken to Santa Fe, New Mexico by car. And within the day or so, they figure out what's going on. They've tracked it down. Okay, we've got to get there. She could be in the imminent danger we'll take a helicopter we'll be there in an hour yeah right and and meanwhile um i think it was uh rigsby and and jane were driving to Uh to santa fe new mexico now i'm not going to claim to be a geography expert 
my knowledge of Santa Fe is it's in New Mexico. That's really all I need to know. It's outside of Texas. It's over a 12-hour drive. Just to get outside of Texas. Yeah, pretty much. An hour by helicopter? <laughs> is this Airwolf? What is this? So, I mean, there were a couple of places where the geography, the how long it takes to get... The episode in New York, they made multiple flights back and forth to New York in that episode. I know. Simply so they could go back to their FBI headquarters in, in Austin, talk about things for a few minutes, I and know. then go back to New York to go research something. Yes. Yes. They, they even do that kind of stuff when they go down to Corpus Christi, which is a five-hour drive. California's a big state. Sacramento, where they were based from, okay, maybe it takes a little while to get... It didn't really bother me that much. I guess because I haven't done the drive up and down California as much as I've gone across Texas. Well, and mostly with the, the ones out of Sacramento, they were staying within Northern California. Very rarely were they venturing down to San Diego or even Los Angeles. And rarely were they doing multiple commutes back and forth. Yeah. It's let's go down there, let's deal with it, okay, let's go back. Yeah. Whereas here, why was this particular group out of Austin doing something over in New York, over in Corpus Christi? Do they not have FBI agents there? Yeah. CBI, uh, maybe it's a small organization still, you know, fledgling one or something. I can buy that. It just threw the suspension of disbelief into a very bad state when they're doing things that it's like, you know, I just don't think this makes sense. I mean, they have one thing where somebody gets dropped off on the edge of town, and it looks like they went to the edge of, you know, I don't know where they filmed this. I'm assuming L.A. I'm assuming. Because it's got that hilly, mountainous, windy road kind of <laughs> edge of town sort of thing. <laughs> Like you might have outside of San Diego or L.A., not in more or less the flatlands of Texas. Yes, we have the hill country. It's not like that. Yeah, really. Um, so, again, being local to the, the venue they claim to be in, that one has just kind of driven me a little bit up the wall, particularly the whole Santa Fe bit. But it's added a new dynamic to the show with the new cast members, the new location, um, now, I will say, when they had an episode that went down to Houston, they got one part exactly right. Almost every street they drove on was under construction. Ah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I live on the south side of town. I work on the north side of town here in Austin, and I've got about an hour commute. Yeah. And it's like 15 miles. Yeah. So if they try to get anywhere fast, I'm surprised. It's also because they've changed up the roles of the characters, opened up the the relationship dynamic between Jane and Lisbon, let that go forward to a, a good degree, leaving the episode off at a very interesting point for kind of their swan song season, which I guess is going to be, what, 13 episodes, 10 episodes? It's like a yeah, half season. a half season starting up the end of November. And I believe uh, Bruno Heller's referred to it as kind of an encore, if you will. And it's odd because, again, they've gotten past the white whale. They've they've solved what arguably was the the end game for a typical series successfully moved past it for half a season changing up the dynamic uh, reinvigorating things giving a couple of characters a really nice closing okay they get on with their lives well and i really liked that rigsby and van pelt rode off into the sunset for me that was a good place to put them well, we'd seen how their life had progressed do they want to go to the fbi do they not they get brought back they get a clean exit from the series. Mm -hmm. 
in a, 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 a reasonably heroic, but not super heroic one. Well, but I, I can see where thought was given. Do we kill them off? Are they just another notch on the killer's bedpost, if you will? And instead, they, they fought the good fight. They suffered a bit in the fighting. They've got two kids. And they rode off into the sunset with the kids and settled down. And it was a really good, realistic place to put those characters. Well, it was respectful both to the characters and to the audience who had been uh, dealing with those characters for, for five and a half seasons. Mm -hmm. To not just, yep, they're gone. Okay, we're done. Yeah. To to spin them down gracefully, I thought, was, was really appreciated. Yeah. A lot of times, a character just leaves a show and poof, it's as if they were n never there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they've... Uh, other shows have done that a couple of times, and it's really kind of annoying. You know, particularly when they go with no explanation. Well, and, I mean, Rigsby and Van Pelt were, I almost want to say, interchangeable team members in terms of Rigsby, Van Pelt, and Cho all had similarish skill sets. They could be in the office, they could be out in the field, they could do what was needed. Well, the original crew was basically, you've got Jane, okay, mm -hmm. he's, he's the unique one, granted. You've got Lisbon, the, the leader of the team. You've got Cho, the stoic professional. You've got Rigsby, the naive new one. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got Grace Van Pelt, who later got more of the, the cyber uh, security and all that kind of stuff, but was also the naive new one. And, and Rigsby and Van Pelt were good foils for Jane because he would be doing all sorts of crazy shenanigans. And they're like, well, should we help him? Should we not? You know, kind of deer in the headlights almost. Mm -hmm. Cho would just take everything with a, a grain of salt and just move on. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I'm not going to try to stop him. That's a fool's errand, but yeah. I'll corral him. Hence, he made the most sense to hang on to well, when and, he moved to Austin. And Wiley, who they've brought in as the new naive new guy, is a really good tech guy. He's the guy who spotted the, the paint on the pavement in New York. He does the tech stuff that Van Pelt was doing and the naive uh, uh, aspect and the social dynamic that Cho had with Rigsby mm -hmm. in a different way, but the same mechanic. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, um, Wiley is essentially the, the somewhat socially inept computer guy, but in a different way than we typically get. Mm -hmm. He's not stupid. He's not dense. He's not overly geeky. No. He's just a little literal. Yeah. He's, he, he's a good addition. Yeah, he is. You know, and it, it's tough to replace a character in an ongoing serial narrative with somebody who can fill the same functional role in the story, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. uh, MASH did this a couple of times. Oh, and so beautifully. When they uh, switched out the uh, the person in charge of the, the camp, when they switched out the other doctor mm -hmm. um, from uh, uh, Trapper to, to BJ and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, and they did it also with... Um... Oh, the doctor that oh, Hot Lips right, had been right. dating. Um, yeah, I forget the the two doctors, but to Winchester yes. from um, it'll come to me later. But yeah. yes, but that was one where you you need to understand the dynamic the character plays in relation to the other characters. You're removing him. You need somebody to do a similar dynamic, but not in the same way. Mm -hmm. This guy gets under this guy's skin. Okay, how's another way to go do this? Yeah, yeah. You know, this guy is, you know, the, the first commanding officer 
was was not a doctor. Yeah. Or no, he was a doctor. He wasn't a military guy. The other guy was a military guy, but not a doctor. You know, kind of a thing. That how do you flip certain things? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you get in in the mentalist case somebody who's got they're naive, but they're not stupid. They're yeah. Not, um, you know, they can be confused by what Jane's doing, but still follow along. You know, a very different relationship that he's got with um, what's the female agent? Kim. Kim. Than uh, Patrick Jane had with uh, with uh, Grace. Yeah. Impelled. Um. Well, and this new FBI agent Kim, who's above him on the totem pole, she's got the the profiling and the psychology understanding, so she assumes she understands Jane. Mm-hmm. And Lisbon's real quick to tell her if you think that. Well, it's interesting because Lisbon's role leading the team and understanding Jane mm-hmm. has been split between Kim and Dennis, the two yes. new FBI people. Yeah. Okay. Cho is more or less where he always was. Yes. And he's very comfortable staying where he was and just kind of watching everybody else adapt to Jane. But by keeping him in that position, it gives it a rock of stability for the show to pivot around. Well, and it's funny because he's adapting to being in the FBI. Mm -hmm. So it's not that he has nothing changing in his life. It's that he's the only one not adapting to Jane. Well, but... He's even been in the FBI for a couple of months True. after being trained at Quantico, True. whereas Lisbon's just kind of been pulled in. Lisbon was one of Jane's terms for working with the FBI. So she's now the low end of the totem pole, even under Cho. Yeah. In many respects, whereas she was at the top. So her position has been inverted, yet whereas those people in that position of, of Rigsby and, and Van Pelt early on Low men on a totem pole also knew little about Jane. She knows the most about Jane out of the whole shebang. Yeah, well, and early on at the FBI, they're having a meeting about a case. And as I recall, Jane just kind of walks out and the meeting keeps going. And Lisbon kind of looks around and says, well, if Jane's not here, then why am I? Yeah, you hired me to be his wrangler, essentially. <laughs> He's missing. It's like, oh, we'll find something for you to do kind of a deal. Yeah. Um, It was interesting... The other change they made was in the physical set, because they no longer have the CBI location. We've got this new FBI location. Mm-hmm. Big glass windows out looking towards the city. A fishbowl for a conference room. We've got a, an interrogation room that's more or less kind of what they had before. The break room's a little bit different. Again, the same functional things, but a much bigger open area, because mm-hmm. I think they realized what they had in the CBI was a probably a much more realistic law enforcement kind of an office but a smaller table to work around desks that were scattered that didn't really lend themselves to kind of the uh the the ensemble shots i think they want well and it was kind of a narrow corridor set before yeah it was more rectangular this is bigger open area mm-hmm. you know lots of big monitors to go look at you know things to see in the background and whatnot i've got to imagine that when they realized they were going to re- revamp the show this way, that their their directors, their set people said, hey, can we do this? Yeah. And frankly, that would have been a great feature for them to have included on the DVD set. It would have. It would have been nice. When we were rethinking it, here's what we did and here's why. We always had problems with these kind of a shots in here, doing this, whatever. We're going to go do this new set, so we're going to set this up for these purposes. I would have loved that. I mean, I'm a process junkie. I get it. But... These are the kinds of things that with an ongoing serial drama or narrative, be it a mm-hmm. uh, 
TV, movies, books, comics, whatever, the more thought you put in, the more you understand, the better, the better a, a, a story you get. Well, I noticed in the uh, current season of Person of Interest, you know, their office has been moved onto a basically a retired subway car. Mm -hmm. And I noticed they're using one of the glass windows the same way they were using one of those glass, uh, I would call it a whiteboard. The equivalent of the murder board that we get in most procedures. Yeah. yeah. But I just found it entertaining that a window so perfectly mimicked mm -hmm. that glass murder board as a, well, it's here, it looks the same, it functions the same, kind of a, a poor man's substitute. But I think that's another example where they had essentially a small corner of a library. Yes. To to work with for some of these shots. Now they've got somewhere they can go, you know, play with the dog outside of the train. They've got the train for the workplace. If they want the more confined space, they've got it. If they want a bigger open area, they've got it. Well, and I've never been sure why so many shows switched from an actual chalkboard or whiteboard or whatever they were using to these glass clear wipe on wipe off boards what prompted the i think it makes more sense to write on something that you can see through and thus is harder to read at a lot of angles yeah i've often wondered about that too because the the see-through it's like it's it's harder to read yeah but i think visually from a cinematic point of view it may work better but that's that's the sort of thing i would love to to hear people who are in the industry who deal with these things what are the particulars about it that make it easier or harder or just better to work with? Mm -hmm. um, the fact that there are so many kind of visible computer screens all over the place in the new FBI headquarters with the yes. mentalist. And we really rarely looked over anyone's shoulder at a computer screen in the CBI. Yeah. Well, and as the sixth season got rolling after Red John wrapped up, you know, our parents had kind of tuned out of the Red John plotline. It was a very dark, morbid mm -hmm. plotline, especially towards the end because suspects were dying off. And that just wasn't what they were looking for in escapism entertainment. And once that wrapped up, I was watching still, and I'm like, okay, it's gotten lighter. I think you guys, you know, it's going back towards that mm -hmm. initial entertaining tone. They tuned back in, they fell back in love. And they said, you know, it's gone back to that tone of the early seasons. It's gone back to the antics. It's gone back to the... You, you honestly don't know if Jane's going to come out of the episode in one piece or not because you don't know if he told the guys back at the office enough that they can yeah. watch his back. Well, it's gone back to basics in many respects. The difference is this time they have removed the dark aspect in Patrick Jane's character mm -hmm. of hunting down this serial killer so he can kill him. Yeah. Yeah, And they, they play with that beautifully over the seasons where Lisbon's like, oh, we're just going to catch him. He's like, no, I'm going to kill him. Yes, yes. You know, but now that specter is over. It's two years later. He's had a little time to heal, get over it, move on with his life. Mm -hmm. And is then becoming a, a disruptive influence again in Lisbon's life and a few other people's. And has he learned what to tell, what not to tell? Where does he need to give them plausible deniability? Where does he need to tell them he's going to be so he doesn't get shot? Yeah, exactly. Little things. 
Yeah. You know, getting the working relationship ironed out because he gets a bit of a free reign, but has a tight leash at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they did enough right when they reworked it, but also enough things not totally right that I think going beyond about a half season for the next season, I'm certain they could make work, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel the need for them to really try beyond that. Yeah. Well, at, at this point, it is just a weekly show, and I don't know. It wasn't wrapping up Red John that did that for me. It was something else, but I don't know what it was. Well, at this point, the ongoing arc is Jane's relationship with Lisbon, and that to me is the end game. But to me, it didn't need an ongoing arc to be an ongoing show. I agree with that, but I don't think that's the common consensus these days. Most shows that last a couple of Mm -hmm. seasons, particularly procedural shows like this, Mm -hmm. have something that that moves them forward beyond just the who do we catch this week. Yeah. Uh, Castle, it's the relationship between Mm -hmm. Kate Beckett and Richard Castle with, I'm trying to think of other procedurals we're watching. I guess the thing is, from the moment I first tuned in to Mentalist, it always seemed to be simply Jane trying to redeem himself because he knew if he hadn't been a con man, if he hadn't mm. been a fake psychic, yeah. his wife and daughter would be alive. That but was enough for me. I think most shows these days don't think that's enough. They and need to have something else to differentiate themselves. Yeah. And I think with Jane, the character of Jane ought to have been enough. Yeah. They, they, they solve the cases in ways other people simply would not. Yeah. You know, and other shows, uh, Psych, again, fake Psych, it, mm. definite tone and style, the Sean Spencer character is what made that unique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be that was more than enough. Columbo, MacGyver, mm. um, Kojak, The Equalizer, characters that just inherently gave the show a personality that reflected mm-hmm. the lead. Yeah. These days, that's not enough. You've got to have that and some other mystery, some other thing to tune back into. And I, I personally, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Um, There have been some shows that do a good job balancing the big bad with the episodic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffy, Angel, almost anything by Joss Whedon, I think, usually qualifies in that respect. Having the bigger story is good. But once it seems like you've got the weekly story and then separate a bigger story than they tangentially touch, that's where you get into to problems, I think. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I, I mean, I would not mind if The Mentalist continued, but Bruno Heller is also the lead guy on Gotham these days. Well, and there's part of me that wonders how many ideas were there either for criminals or crimes that they couldn't use on mentalist for one reason or another that just kind of got filed away and now we're seeing other over on gotham whether we realize it or not mm-hmm. well gotham is more about frankly the villains to a large degree whereas the mentalist was always just about jane yeah and there are other shows i have seen where they take the classic murder mystery and feel they've got to put that new twist. Uh, personal of interest, it's, is this the victim or the perpetrator? And I love that twist. That's great. I will admit. You know, with uh, Jonathan Creek, a BBC show, it is, it was, because it's more or less been off the air for a while, although they did a recent uh, series. It's, these are, 
are literally impossible crimes. Mm-hmm. And it's almost the inverse of a Sherlock Holmes thing. If you take out the impossible, you know, kind of a thing, the the, the solutions to, to the crimes there are so, you've got to be kidding me, mm-hmm. but make perfect sense when the, the butler did it scene, you know, the, the reveal happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do shows without the need of that, that big arc if you've got a unique identity and clear vision for the show. Mentalist, I think, has that. They just felt the need to go both down the Red John path and now, you know, continue on beyond that. And it's it's fun seeing the uh, the post game, if you will. Yeah. He's he's resolved that. He's moved on. He's to me for the show to really end for Patrick Jane. He needs to be back in a healthy life state with a stable relationship, which is where his path started before the series started. In other words, before yeah. Red John came into the picture. I'm just trying to imagine Patrick Jane in an actual healthy life state with what we know of the character, which, you know, a con man, fake psychic, it, it's an entertaining concept. Stable relationship with Lisbon. True. Off the hook, but still on the payroll of the FBI. Yeah, well, and that goes back to what I was saying uh, from the pilot on. I always thought the entire point and journey of the show was Jane redeeming himself. Mm -hmm. But I think they confused premise with ongoing concern. Yeah. The premise of Batman is his parents were killed in front of him. If an ongoing concern, oh, I've got to still solve this crime, that gets old. Yeah. You know, what motivates the character versus what is the character doing? Yeah. And it's it's a tough thing, you know. And these days, a, a show going, you know, six, seven seasons, it's pretty impressive. It is. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I love Mentalist. I love the characters. It's one of my by-appointment shows. And given it's a Sunday night show, usually, that's saying something. Because it's a fluctuation based on sporting events start yeah. time show. I'm going to be curious where some of these actors go after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, the one who plays uh, Kendall Cho. Um, he's been doing just a, a, a... He's a great character. And I think the actor's capable of a lot more than he's doing there. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to see where he goes next. That actor's name is... Um, Tim King. Tim King. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And the other one is uh, Rockman Dunbar. Um, yeah, Rockman Dunbar was on uh, Prison Break. That's why I know him from. Never watched that. So, okay. I I really enjoyed him on that. He's come on strong. He's done a really good job with this character. Uh, he's a he's a good actor, and I I'd like to see what he does next. He did twenty nine episodes of Sons of Anarchy, which again don't watch that show. No, I had no idea. Um, I'm just trying to do a. Quick little IMDb on him and see if there's anything else. Yeah, 40 episodes of Prison Break, which I knew him from. It, it always is interesting to me how there's some actors, like, you know, I know him from somewhere, but I can't place where. There's some actors that, and he seems like one of them, that are just always working. He did 20 episodes of Earth 2. I had not realized. I've got that on DVD over there, I think. I, yeah. I don't think I've watched but an episode or two of that. Um, Amanda Rigetti. Uh, Grace Van Pelt has done a Chicago PD and a Chicago Fire since The Mentalist, mm-hmm. but nothing else. She was also in the first Captain America movie. She was. She was in the first Avenger. Um, I don't think she's been in any of the Marvel movies since. 
not that I'm seeing. She's she did a few TV movies during um The Mentalist, but I don't see anything else since The Mentalist. It's it's got a strong cast. They're all very talented, and I'm sure they'll do a lot of great things moving forward. It's just a question of you know what and when. Mm-hmm. Owen Yeoman is in American Sniper, which comes out pretty soon, and he's got an episode of Turn, Washington Spies, in season two. Uh, poor guy plays Benedict Arnold. Ooh, not a good sign. I know. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he becomes a traitor. I know. And he did uh, three episodes of Extant, which he was very good in. Uh, Extant was a CBS event series that I keep trying to get you to watch, and you're uh, giving me a blank stare. Yeah, about. I haven't watched. Halle Berry. Halle Very Berry, good. that's the one. A lot of things to watch these days. Yeah, that's... Well, and we keep telling one another, too, you know, I recorded this for you, I recorded that for you, you need to watch, so it doesn't help. Uh, periodically, I go through um, stuff and, and catch up. It uh, takes a little bit of time, but it's well worth doing. You know, I want to say Robin Tooney was on the first season of Prison Break. Just going back to random. I'm thinking you're right. Yeah, she was. Prison Break's another show that I, I haven't watched, but a lot of those people are showing up on other places. A mm -hmm. number of them over on Flash. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. I mean, certain shows wind up with... It's interesting. Some shows have a bunch of actors that just always show up over the years. It's like, wow, whoever cast that did well. These people have been working steadily since. Others have just, wow, all of those writers have gone on to do something. Others have a bunch of actors that... You don't see much, but all of them are now directing other shows. Yeah. Um, a lot of the Star Trek shows are that way. But Prison Break had Dominic Purcell, who we saw on... Seven Days? No. Um, uh, uh, John Doe. Yes, John Doe. And we just saw him on either Arrow or The Flash recently. I forget where, which. Oh, the, uh, he played Captain Cold. There you go. Flash. Wentworth Miller was just on... No, Wentworth Miller, Wentworth Miller was, was Captain, Captain Cold. Cold. There you go. Um... Amari Nolasco was on Rizzoli and Isles. Mm. Robert Nepper was... Who was on Arrow and I think is going to be... Uh, on The Flash. On The Flash. Yeah, and Sarah Wayne Callies is on... I think she's on uh, Walking Dead. That, I believe, is correct. Which I've only seen the pilot of and, frankly, don't really have any intention of moving forward on that. Yeah. It may be great, but I don't yeah, know if not... these. Yeah, she has done 35 episodes of Walking Dead. So going back to just Prison Break had a fantastic cast. Well, it's interesting. There's a lot of comic book shows out, but there are also, I think, a lot of things that both comic book writers uh, and, and other shows can learn from other things like ongoing police procedurals like The Mentalist and stuff like that for just how do you balance storylines and whatnot. And there are a couple I can think of that have, have done it better than others. Some that have done this, ooh, wow, didn't do too well. Again, mentalist in, in, in many respects of the Red John didn't, did not balance the Red John arc with the episodic. Um, but it's something that is so rarely done just about perfectly where it's like, wow, that's a show everyone should watch because they just, they nailed that. Yeah. So... Well, and I mean, I watched Mentalist, like I said, by appointment as it aired, and I enjoyed it, but there was a part of me that just wanted to get through those early episodes of the season with Red John. Now, you watched the DVD over just a couple days. And I actually watched more of the season than I'd realized. I had missed sporadic episodes after they moved him to Austin. Okay. Um, And not as many as I had thought. I think only about four or five of them. 
See, I'm just wondering if if it viewed better on the DVD, which I think it might have. Because I think it got to a point where once it got to Austin, it really got rolling again. I, I think so, but I watched, again, most of it during the season, and it only missed a couple of things. What happened with uh, Rigsby and Van Pelt, stuff like that. So when I was going through the second half of the season on DVD, it was, yep, watch that. Oh, I've got to watch this. Oh, watch that. Watch that. Oh, got to watch okay. this. So it was more kind of a, a fill in the gaps. Okay. Um, which gave a very different view on my relation or my, my feeling of the relationship with uh, Pike and Lisbon. Mm hmm. Because when I was always seeing him, he's always been introduced as, oh, they've, they've met, they're in love, you know, whatever. It's like, who is he? Yeah, yeah. Missing his introduction episode was probably the, the key thing. And it was it was a classic Jane con artist episode for capturing the bad guy. It was it was actually the one with Charles Measure. Oh, okay. Uh, the art heist thing. That's right. I uh, forgot that Which one. was a great episode, yeah. an unfortunate one to have missed. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting, though, that reminds me that one of the other arcs they did for the second half of the season was the human trafficking one. That was a really well done arc. It was a good arc for Cho. It was, yes. Because it was kind of the case he followed throughout the season, mm -hmm. or second half of the season. Yeah. And had a connection with one of the victims, all this stuff. It, it really worked to humanize his character and, and play up kind of his strengths and such. You Cho has a great heart and a great core. He doesn't say much, but it comes out. Mm -hmm. And that's a very powerful character. I think a lot of that is the actor as much as as the material. Yeah. He took what could have been a very background character and really made it fun and did it in a very stoic, reserved way, yet not humorless or, or personalityless. Yeah. And that's that's a, a tough thing to do. Yeah. But again, he, he did a great job. I'm really curious what he does next. Yeah, me too. Uh, he's, I think, one of the more... I don't say underrated, but uh, he's got a breakout role ahead of him. Well, I think it's easy to not see what he has in him in this role because there's not a lot of dialogue and because there's not a lot really showcasing. It's not a showy role. It's not no, flamboyant. It's not. it's not like Jane. It's the it's exactly. The, it's the counter opposite. It's yeah. As much as he's over the top, show is very much just. Uh, by the book, um, again, quiet, reserved. Yeah. You know, but he's one that if they had not kept him during the transition, I would have been disappointed. Yeah, I totally agree. And by the same token, I don't think they could have kept either Rigsby or Van Pelt and not the other. So I'm glad they gave the two of them a happily ever after together. They could have if they had killed the other one off. Mm, that would have been tragic. Yes, it would have, and I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they yeah. gave them a nice, happy ending. Yeah. Um, These days, it's so easy to shock the audience with a, a death, a double homicide. A, you know what I mean? They, I'm glad they they gave them a very respectful, happy arc and ending. They didn't vanish. They didn't go out in a blaze of glory and, yeah. you know, whatnot, a hail of bullets or some such. And that's... I think hard for a lot of writers to do, mm -hmm. but I'm also curious what ground they cover in the remaining episodes of the series, and do they end it on what feels like a, a clean note to, to, to stop following the characters? Yeah. Because I don't think it'll be an end point, 
but I want it to feel like it's, yeah, this is where the series should stop. Mm -hmm. Chuck was one of those where the final season, I think it was, had what felt like a natural ending point, and then they go on for another five episodes or something. Mm. And they were good episodes, but it's like, no, you should have just stopped there. Well, as I recall, the final episode of Psych was just a very nice, yeah, they gave us... They was, gave us the proposal. They gave us the, you know, we're, we're starting our life together. They gave us the next step of life. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think what was kind of like the best ending note for a series. MASH. Hard to beat MASH. I would almost go with the final episode of Babylon 5, which I think they may have aired as the fourth season ender or kept filmed as that and kept for the fifth or whatever. The one where they kind of have the the dinner table conversation you know you don't remember that do you? i don't remember it clearly enough oh okay then. i can't vote sorry it was one that was a good end cap but the problem with that series is Straczynski had a five-year plan wasn't sure who's going to get the fourth season accelerated the plan filmed the fourth season as if it were the last mm. complete with here's the end game mm -hmm. and the universe lives happily ever after gets the fifth season i think if I recall correctly, put something else in its place, held that off till the end, and then did a little kind of universe building in the fifth season. Um, Babylon 5, if you haven't watched it, brilliant show. Now, Life on Mars was an incredibly bizarre show that had a fantastic final episode. From what I can tell, the writers suspected that show might get canceled at any time, so they had the final episode ready to go. That was one that I think they... Yeah. And I'm glad it didn't go longer because if it gone longer and then gotten that, I'd have been disappointed. The other one that I think had the best end episode was the uh, uh, Newhart. Yes, yes. Calls back to the original Bob Newhart show. Yes. So ending a series, I think, is is as tricky or trickier than, than launching it correctly. Because you've got to resolve whatever the main premise, crux of why we're following these characters. Why stop now versus, yep, it's over, turn off the lights. True, but season six gave me hope that Mentalist is going to give me a good season seven and a good departure. I'm hoping because they know how many episodes they've got. They have a clear beginning, middle, and end to the thing. Individual episodes that all fire on all cylinders as their own. Anything that's like, eh, we might do this someday. Pull out all the stops. Go out on a high note. Make it the best, you know, 10 or mm -hmm. 13, however many episodes it is, that it possibly can be. And make people think, wow, they, they really ought to bring it back. Yeah. And then don't. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they've dealt with Red John. He's told Lisbon how he feels. Mm -hmm. He's... I almost want to say he's kind of cleaned up his soul a bit and he's he's well on his way to that redemption and that becoming the better man I wanted him to be. Mm -hmm. He spent six seasons and allegedly eight years doing what I wanted him to do during the series. Well, and if, if they can get him healed, if you will, mm -hmm. and into that, okay, now he's he's okay. Yeah. He'll be doing the zany stuff, but not recklessly so. Yeah. Because uh, he's still doing a little of that. He's he's almost at the point where he's come to terms with himself and where he's at. If they can accomplish that and tell some good, you know, mysteries in the meanwhile, that's what I want out of the series. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see if they can do that. I think they can. They, again, Bruno Heller, very talented guy. He's assembled yeah. a good crew. Uh, they've got talented actors. Uh, they've, they've got all the, the things they need to pull it off. Yeah. It's a good show.
Definitely worth watching. Anything else? Does that pretty much do it? That does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.